Peace We Build It is a podcast about the Alliance for Peacebuilding and its network of over 130 organizations working globally in 181 countries to reduce and prevent violent conflict and build sustainable peace. Host Tanya Domi will interview AFP's global partners, expert guests, and policy advocates on how they tackle the challenging work of conflict prevention and peace building in a world riddled by increasing violent conflict and more. Our guest today is Velma Sadich, the founder and president of the Post-Conflict Research Center based in Sarajevo, Bosnia and Herzegovina. She is also the founder and editor-in-chief of Balkan Discourse, a youth journalism program within the PCRC. For the past 20 years, Velma has been a leading researcher, journalist, peacebuilding expert, and human rights defender in Bosnia and Herzegovina. Velma spent eight years reporting on war crimes trials and investigating transitional justice processes in the former Yugoslavia. And she spent three additional years working as a court reporter at the Balkan Investigative Reporting Network, an association of court reporters in Bosnia-Herzegovina, covering court procedures at the local and national level. Among her credits as a film producer, which has focused on events associated with the Bosnian War 1992 to 1995, includes Memories, 677, Ordinary Heroes, In the Land of Blood and Honey, directed by Angelina Jolie, and I Came to Testify and War Redefined from the PBS series Women, War, and Peace. Sadich has a master's in political science from the University of Sarajevo and was a Columbia University fellow at the Institute for Human Rights Studies. Among her awards include the Intercultural Innovation Award by the United Nations Secretary General Ban Ki-moon, United Nations Alliance of Civilizations, and the BMW Group. Velma is a mentee of the Vital Voices Global Ambassadors Program and is currently the only Bosnian to be part of Vital Voices 100 a group of 100 most engaged and visionary women within the Vital Voices Global Leadership Network based in Washington, D.C. Most recently, PCRC and Velma has been chosen as peace ambassadors by the Center for Peace Studies, Sri Lanka, the only such recipient from the Western Balkans. Before the collapse of Yugoslavia in the early 1990s, the Republic of Bosnia and Herzegovina was one of the most ethnically and religiously diverse republics within Yugoslavia. Following the death of the president of Yugoslavia, Josip Broz Tito, in 1980, nationalism quickly swept across Yugoslavia and ethnic groups began actively vying for independence. Bosnian Serbs self-declared an autonomous Serb region in Bosnia in 1992 that was later renamed to Republika Srpska. Bosnia held an independence referendum on February 29, 1992. Bosniaks and Croats 
voted overwhelmingly for independence from Yugoslavia, but Bosnian Serbs boycotted the vote because they wished to remain within a Serb-dominated Yugoslavia. On March 3, 1992, the Republic of Bosnia and Herzegovina declared independence from Yugoslavia. On April 2, 1992, the Bosnian War broke out. Serbia supported Bosnian Serb forces that swept through eastern Bosnia and forced Bosniak residents to flee from areas within Republika Srpska. The Bosnian War was characterized by mass killings, mass rapes, torture, and displacement. At least 110,000 people were killed during the war, most of whom were Bosniaks. The Srebrenica genocide was carried out under the direction of the VRS General Ratko Mladic on July 11, 1995, resulting in the systematic extermination of 8,372 Bosniak men and boys and the deportation of more than 25,000 women, children, and the elderly. The genocide in Srebrenica was the worst atrocity committed in Europe since World War II. The Srebrenica genocide finally mobilized a NATO intervention, bombing Bosnian Serb forces in eastern Bosnia. After several airstrikes, Bosnian Serb and Serbian leaders agreed to peace talks in Dayton, Ohio. The Dayton Peace Accords were signed on November 21, 1995, officially ending the Bosnian War. The country was split into two political entities, the Federation of Bosnia and Herzegovina and Republika Srpska. Today's episode of the Peace We Build It podcast is indeed a special one, as the Alliance for Peacebuilding acting president and CEO, Liz Hume, is joining our conversation, an experienced Bosnian expert who was seconded by the State Department to the OFCE BIH mission in 1997. I began working on the wars in former Yugoslavia as a congressional aide to the late Congressman Frank McCloskey in 1991. I also joined the OSCE mission to BIH in 1996. Four years ago, Velma Sadic invited me to join the Post-Conflict Research Center as president of its advisory board, where I continue to serve. Last year, Velma Sadic participated in the Alliance for Peacebuilding's annual PeaceCon conference. Welcome to the Peace We Build It podcast, Velma Sadic. Thank you so much, Tanya. Thank you so much for this quite special invitation, considering that we will be speaking about Srebrenica genocide. It's a great privilege to be in this podcast with our partner organization, Alliance for, for Peace Building, and Liz and you, both of you guys, you do know how difficult it was for us to rebuild our country and stayed on the right path. So thank you for your entire work to help us to do that. Wonderful. So in this moment, Velma, Bosnia-Herzegovina, as we all know, is preparing for its commemoration of the Srebrenica genocide on July 11th. This is, in fact, the busiest time of PCRC's public engagement more broadly and including its activities at the Srebrenica Podachari Memorial. 
these somber events and days are juxtaposed against a backdrop of continuing efforts by internal and external bad actors in the Balkans and beyond who seek to upend Bosnia's fragile democracy. A new high representative, Christian Schmidt, will assume his office on 1 August. A new Biden administration took power five months ago that appears to be taking a very conservative approach towards its foreign policy generally and has proposed a modest agenda in working with the BIH government that addresses electoral reform, corruption, and continued implementation of EU milestones to eventually join the bloc. Does this political situation change or shift anything PCRC is currently doing? What PCRC is currently doing, Tanya, is uh, literally fighting to preserve memory and to preserve our recent history on the way which is quite complicated considering the level of denial and the political manipulation and the political pressures on everything what civil society and post-conflict research center and many of other colleagues are trying to do. I will just mention briefly that in the last year, um, Republika Srpska uh, established two new commissions, which they say that they compose from uh, independent researchers from all around the world, which should on some way re-examinate and re-question what already have been proven through many, many different international and local courts and judgments, which we have for crimes which took place in, in Srebrenica, which is genocide, of course, but also crime against humanity. So we are dealing with a, with a high level of political denial. And I would say uh, there is a push for paraphrasing the recent history and disseminate the new facts, which Republika Srpska is trying to do through many different ways, including social media, the parts of this, these two special reports, as they call for Srebrenica genocide and the siege of Sarajevo, they have been broadcasted to public uh, national TV of Republika Srpska and also through social media. So we, we are facing, we are facing now a large pressure of actually how we will commemorate and how we will preserve uh, what historical narrative actually is. Yeah, it's a very challenging situation because they use these commissions to basically whitewash the history that the previous government actually engaged in. Do you have any thoughts about that, Liz, in terms of the continued efforts on whitewashing and denial? Well, the situation in Bosnia, and I, first I just want to say hi to Velma and obviously to Tanya, my old colleague from, from Bosnia, and I want to congratulate you, Tanya, on your article in Foreign Policy, um, Bosnia is Heading Toward Another Meltdown. It's a wonderful article. And also, you know, one of the reasons why this is able to happen is because the world attention is everywhere else. You know, to say the world is on fire right now is to to say it lightly. Uh, and so it is easy when you have intractable conflicts, which this is. I mean, the, the Dayton Peace Accords ended the violent conflict. It did not end the conflict. So, you know, this is just a continuation of the conflict. And the world, you know, has only an attention span for so long and given everything that's happened. Um, so I think your foreign policy article hits the nail on the head. 
uh, Bosnia is heading toward another meltdown. The fact that you got that in foreign policy says a lot because it's not the the sexy thing right now. Um, and I just want to also say to Velma, you know, we are grateful for your work. The work that you're doing, the fact that it is, you know, being run by Bosnians, um, you know, you know the context on the ground and and what needs to get done. Um, so we are grateful for everything that you are doing um, and and doing it so well and following, you know, peace building and conflict resolution best practices, which doesn't always happen. So thank you for that. Thanks, Liz. So actually speaking of what you're doing, Velma, which I'm I intimately follow from New York City between our phone calls, is um, what is PCRC doing at the Sherbanitsa Memorial this year and marking the 26th anniversary? And this follows the recent confirmation of the residual mechanism for criminal tribunals, which recently upheld the conviction of Ratko Mladic. He was convicted of 10 crimes, including one count of genocide. You have used these transcripts, the the ICTI transcripts for documentaries, but uh, in terms of what you're doing at the memorial this year, please share with our audience. Yes, thank you so much, Liz. Thank you so much it's, it's for, for your beautiful work, words regarding our work. Sometimes it's really difficult to actually keep going and also engage young people and get a new, fresh generation to fight with us and um, continue because... These young people, they live in a country with a high level of corruption and nepotism. Tanya mentioned how fragile and and divided our country is on um, two entities, state level, 10 cantons, municipality level, Brčko district. Just to illustrate a little bit, in a country with three and a half million people, which is territorial, like Washington, D.C., we have 186 ministries. Uh, We don't have access to teach um, any formal education at schools. Everything we do, it has to be non-formal. There is still this pure phenomenon of segregation, as I called two schools under one roof. Uh, According to OSC report, there is 56 schools in 28 locations where young people, kids, uh, elementary kids, they are going in the same building but they are completely uh, separated through this segregational system where they don't even meet and interact uh, each other during the high school breaks. So if you have this klima, if you actually are working in this environment, it's very difficult to be a a human rights activist. And that is why these partnership and programs and podcasts are helping us a lot. I'm going to mention that, yes, uh, one of the pillars of Post-Conflict Research Center is uh, is memory and kind of um, looking into innovative way of commemorating recent past, but still engage young people in a very sensitive manner where they will not uh, be blamed or they will not feel guilty for something what someone else did because these young people are carrying the burden of recent history. And that is really, really sad. So what we did last year in October, we signed a special memorandum of understanding with Srebrenica Genocide Memorial, which is the only state memorial in the country, in the whole Bosnia. We also don't have a state, um, a law, which will regulate the way how we will um, commemorate recent past. So the uh, Srebrenica Genocide Memorial Center is quite special 
because it's only state institution dealing with the memory. We signed this memorandum in October last year uh, where we offer all our expertise and knowledge and connections and networks and also our knowledge on the way that we know how to curate materials like photography, film, exhibitions, and combine them in interactive and innovative way for teaching new generations. So this memorandum brought us the whole arena of new projects and activities we are working together. I'm going to mention that last year, our work together with Srebrenica Genocide Memorial was crucial because uh, the, the 25th commemoration of Srebrenica Genocide was under the COVID pandemic. So it was more important to mark somehow. And we did this through a couple of uh, projects and activities where we were bringing 25 youth activists. They were laying nomadic monument while we are not here, participating in um, summer school teaching from experts and academics and journalists about the history and transitional justice. And we also did last year this um, important oral history multimedia project, Memento, Fragments of Srebrenica Genocide, which is actually featuring the last objects being donated by family members of Srebrenica Genocide and survivors, featuring objects which the, the International Commission for Missing People found in the, uh, mass graves all around eastern Bosnia, or objects from um, the Dead March, which is actually the road which men and boys were taking in July to try to escape from genocide and killing. This is quite special audiovisual project, which consists exhibition, but also audio um, uh, oral history stories about the fight during the genocide, but also post-conflict transition. So yeah, this is just small specter of activities we are we did last year, and this year we are continuing with uh, some new activities, which I can mention a little bit later. Great. And also uh, Vilma and myself and Dr. Laura Cohen are going to be publishing a book of these images of uh, survivors who are holding their loved ones' personal objects that were recovered on this road and also from uh, graves and through the march through the woods as people were trying to escape. It's very poignant and very, very powerful. And so when I actually go to Sarajevo in August, I'll be meeting with Velma and a publisher on this book that we hope will come out next year. PCRC was founded in 2011 by you, Velma. And, and your uh, former colleague, uh, Leslie Woodward, you know, 16 years after the Bosnian War had ended with a vision to contribute to the development of a society where people no longer perceive ethnicity as the source of their differences, but instead see it as a basis for prosperity and redirecting their focus towards economic development, improving the education system, creating a stable democracy and cultivating a lasting culture of peace. What was your personal process and your professional process in creating PCRC? And how did you come to this understanding that the mission of PCRC must focus on creating a culture of peace as a paramount goal in the aftermath of genocide. It's a tremendous undertaking. 
I believe that this came through work I did before I established post-conflict research center, serving first as a young student of, of history, uh, collecting the statements from victims uh, and people who survived war crimes when I was 18 years old. I've been really severely affected by war. You know, um, I'm not just thinking about being hungry and living in a basement without food and electricity, being a teenager, especially sensitive. You know, my brother was a baby with no food, with no water, being constantly under the threat of shelling and killing. And also, I do believe that what brought me into this field uh, were experiences of people who were refugees in my small town, Kladan, the whole eastern Bosnia came to my town, including people from Srebrenica on 1995. There is a famous footage of Ratko Mladic in Potocari saying to people, don't worry, we will be transferring you to Kladanj. And my mom was trying to help these people and she would quite often take me to deliver food or something we have closed. So that is the, the first, I would say, initial reason why I ended up establishing post-conflict research center also after I did court reporting, um, you know, reporting from the Hague Tribunal and being affected by thousands of different victims, especially victims of rape and sexual violence. And I believe that in some way I was carrying a lot of post-traumatic stress disorder and I thought I need to do something else. I need to see something positive. And I always thought that young people, uh, youth and the education can be a key. And I believe that on some personal level, if I could have my own catharsis and find a way to deal with the past and still work on these projects and bring people like similar to me, it will end up as successful, kind of. And the whole vision was, yeah, this is incredible country with incredible potential. It's a beautiful country. We have like, incredible touristic potential. We have a smart young people that, that have been proven through our diaspora all around where, where Bosnians are living. They are extremely successful and hardworking people. So I wanted to turn around and I wanted to give enthusiasm and optimism and create this klima among young people. Because I thought that, you know, if someone see to them that, that they can, and if someone support them and open a new a vision and arena, they would start to perceive this richness we have through diversity uh, different than uh, obstacle for, you know, for better future. So I believe also that Ordinary Heroes Project are leading projects featuring stories of moral courage and the rescue's behavior was also, um, yeah, a leading point in our work because we wanted to show that even during the war and a, a difficult time, people were doing sometimes something good, helping friends, helping neighbors, helping people they didn't know. So it came somehow, I believe, as a result of good energy and a lot of friendship and love and support from people like you and Liz and all our friends, because we, we really did struggle as a, as a small organization with no funding and capacity and not actually understanding that, you know, it's not always just about human rights. It sometimes is also about, you know, competition for funding and stuff. So we succeed, I believe, only because we have been so strongly supported by also our international friends and colleagues. That is how it ended up. Can I, I just jump in here really quick? I was oh, just sorry, going to go ask ahead. you, Liz, to, to talk about investment in peace building and being the CEO of uh, AFP, like working with young people around the world, how important that is. I can't say enough about investing in peace building. Um, and 
if we are serious about conflict prevention and ending forever wars and intractable conflicts and preventing them in the first place, we have to actually fund them. We're seeing um, a reverse of that in the uh, United Kingdom. They are actually cutting their peace building funds dramatically. Even in the United States, we fund, you know, everybody thinks that um, development funding is 10% of our budget in the U.S. It's not. It's less than 1%. Right. Uh, even of that 1%, less than 1% is spent on these types of programs. So invest in peace building. The world has a global conflict problem. And if we are serious about it, we have to invest in it and pay for it. And I just can't keep repeating that more. Also, I just wanted to touch on uh, Velma. I was I was really struck by what you were talking about in terms of how this impacted you, even though you were you know little at the time when um, the Bosnian War happened. You know that is in our psyche. It's in our neuroscience. And we don't do a good job as well of understanding, um, you know, we understand now kind of PTSD, but understanding how this gets into our DNA. It is in our, you know, our brain. Uh, there's a phenomenal book coming out or has come out by Mari Fitzduff called Our Brains on War. And at the end of the day, especially when we are scared and fearful, we revert back into our lizard brain and our caveman brain. And it's all about belonging and how do we uh, protect ourselves? And nowhere in, you know, is, is this more key or more prevalent than in Bosnia around the ethnic protectionism that people fall back into very easily. So, you know, just kind of understanding and being aware of how our brains impact conflict is so key. And it goes back into that work and investing, you know, you have a lot of uh, Western people like myself, um, you know, that came there and are like, okay, what can we, what can we do? Well, this would work on my brain. I haven't been impacted by conflict. And that's why, again, it's so important, the local context, because you've lived it, you've understood it. But just to say one more thing, how critical it is to understand this is not a conflict that just happened, that's happening now or 20 years ago. Many countries and regions are, the United States has its own massive historical conflict dynamics, but this is conflict that has been going on for, you know, decades, more than a hundred years. Um, and that seeps into the DNA, the stories we tell. So this is very deep, deep rooted conflict. When I was in Kosovo, they would start by talking, you know, going back to 1389. When I was in Bosnia having meetings um, with, you know, different leaders, you know, I would be like, can we just start at World War II and not go back any farther? Um, this conflict is deep and it is going to take a significant amount of work. It's not a year. It's not five years. It's not 10 years. This is generational work that has to happen. So. I just wanted to add, you know, and talk about how the interest goes elsewhere. We don't think about, we don't really talk about the post-World War II transition. And Germany was fortunate enough to have Conrad Adenauer step forward. And it took over 40 years. It'll take close mm -hmm. to two generations post-war mm -hmm. for people to be able to talk about it without personal experience of it. 
and then a concentrated effort to educate the public and take steps to repudiate fascism, including legally. So, you know, when people say, oh, you know, they need to get it together. Well, it takes a long time. And as Lizzie's pointing out, not only does it take a long time, it gets uh, hardwired into our brains. Speaking of which, the work, though, that you have done to shift that storytelling, Velma, you know, to combat these intergenerational narratives of horror in many ways, is your really innovative approach to to telling the truth and, and recording history that took place during the Bosnian War. And some of these go back to World War II in terms of narratives. But you do a lot of work in film and photography. And why do you work in these genres? How has this advanced the PCRC mission? Thank you for that question and recognizing, you know, our innovative way toward um yeah, peace building, which is mostly combined by using multimedia and art. I do believe uh, that this came through, yeah, our general knowledge that art uh, did play a special role even during the war in Bosnia. If we take a look how the Sarajevo Film Festival, for example, was established and how mm-hmm. this festival was going on under the siege and many other cultural and artistic performance and events, they're part also of the war legacy. Uh, I did realize that, you know, 10 years ago before Post-Conflict Research Center was existing, that the whole educational peace building work was mostly based on the conferences and workshops and old keynote fashion way of, you know, holding a speech to young people. Conventional, conventional ways. Exactly. And then second problem was also not enough understanding of uh, necessity for recruiting new faces and new young people. Usually you would see that the human rights activists, those young ones, are mostly going from program to program, conference to conference. Everything was, and even now, is based on these three capitals, as we call Banja Luka, Sarajevo, and Mostar, which again is dividing young people and is dividing country. So I thought that this approach is not working because we are still facing the past behind closed door. Where, you know, it's great on the workshop to say all these things and recognize and blah, 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 but it's nothing, nothing is going on outside. We don't know. So I thought we should use more film and multimedia and art and photography. And the first project I mentioned, uh, Ordinary Heroes, is actually multimedia educational a large project consisting several components, but the first one we did with Professor Paul Law, we were featuring portraits of these rescuers and ordinary heroes and people they saved on the large outdoor exhibition. And we started to place our exhibition in the public spheres through all the country, traveling to 36 different municipalities, placing them on public spheres that thousands of people can be reached by them. Unfortunately, in Bosnia, we don't have a tradition and also a money to go and visit galleries, in, maybe in Sarajevo, but only in Vlasenica or Srebrenica and Pale. So this approach of using photography and exhibiting for everybody was really working. We started to get like beautiful reactions from people. Then I told, well, why not to produce documentaries? So we were producing, before I, I was producing um, two parts of Women, War and Peace episodes for PBS TV. 
And I gained some, some small knowledge of producing. That is not my background. I'm kind of journalist and, and uh, I finished political science. I don't have background in, in art, but I can put the story together. Why not for film? Then we got incredible partners from Pinch Media. I mean, Mirko Pincelli, Tanya brought us together to Colombia and she, she organized a couple of screenings of our documentaries. So we incorporate film and then we realize we need educational experts to help us with curriculum. Then we build a curriculum and then we build a youth competition, engaging young people more um, deeply into whole conversation. So um, this project had from beginning monitoring and evaluation, we were, we were mapping and trying to understand what has to be improved done by Sabina Chahaj Clancy. She published for Stanford University. Whoever is interested, we can share some links later and explain more ab ab about monitoring and evaluation. But this mm -hmm. uh, mix of using art and multimedia uh, with education was really working. And that is actually how it came. But I, I, I think, you know, we would go on the ground, as Liz just mentioned, we are grassroots organization. And then we would go on the ground and we would perfectly plan as Leslie was American, she had all these perfect plans and timelines. But we would see when we come to certain cities and municipalities, for example, in one near Srebrenica, Bratunac, young people were showing up with the T-shirts of Ratko Mladic and Radovan Karadzic at our workshop. So, you know, we had to improvise a lot and adjust our programs toward what we would find on the ground. But yes, they always have been really, really successful. And they always uh, are touching the hearts of people because photographies cannot lie. And the film that you and Mirko did um, in Mostar, the documentary of uh, the Jewish leader in Mostar who, who went between the Bosniak and Croat communities, and you got the UN to sponsor this documentary. And, and it's like, what, over 300,000 people have seen this, or is it more than that? 350 million people, oh, actually, yeah. and the film have been translated to six different languages. Yes, because the role of Jewish community during the siege of Sarajevo and in a war in Bosnia was incredible. And I always wanted to kind of give them a more um, visibility and feature this incredible heroism and what they did during the war uh, to whole world, because it's really unique. The Jewish community in BIH organized humanitarian convoys, taking people out of the city uh, during the siege of Sarajevo. And the people who left, they were not Jews. You know, they did all these incredible things, delivering humanitarian uh, aid, uh, 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 connecting people, organizing this way of like, uh, you know, like these special telephone lines that, that families can speak to each other. So yes, crossing bridges, one man heroism, the story about Zoran Mandel Bauman in, in, in the Jewish community in Zbonstar is quite special. And it's just one story of ordinary heroes. This is true. And you, in two years ago, you screened films at the, the National Endowment for Democracy in Washington. Uh, this is an audience that's pretty considered hardcore. And I have to say at the end of this screening, about uh, your your grandmother's friend who lived on the side of a mountain near your town and took in a Croat boy who came to her door in the middle of the night seeking refuge. There wasn't a dry eye left in that room, and that's a pretty hardcore audience. 
I was very moved by these films. In, in using film, you can get to broader audiences, obviously, right, Velma? When you're screening them, you get more people uh, in a room that, that can see this film. Yes. Or on their computer, whatever. Exactly. I mean, our, our documentaries, they have been selected for like regional platform of all Jazeera Balkans for 1.8 million people, like regionally, just in the region of former Yugoslavia. And I mentioned 350 million people worldwide. But I mean, I don't want to give up from ordinary people. You know, usually when we speak about war and they, they say, you know, elderly generations are lost. We just need to move on and do something with the young people. But I don't think so. I do believe and I do know because I'm living in this country and the whole lady, which is my grandma, a best friend, is just one example. When people have a chance to see these films and we do not just TV broadcasting, what we do when we do our, our work, we actually are getting a public cinemas in different cities. So if there is a public cinema in one town, we feature these films and everybody can come, anybody can come. And to be honest, elderly people are reacting beautifully on our documentaries. So it's not that we should just accept it and say like, yes, it's over. Because you mentioned sometimes our, our parents are still carrying the legacy of Second World War. Absolutely. We never had yes. a chance to discuss our past openly. So if we don't start it and if we don't do a public outreach and if we don't reach those small communities, because you know, Tanya and Liz, if we think about the siege of Sarajevo, those who were held the city under the siege and they were shelling on city were coming from small communities and villages from Pala and Sokolats. And, you know, sometimes they thought that they are going to work in all these madness. You know, we need to keep going and work in small communities because that is where, to be honest, the most brutal crimes were taking place. And we don't speak too much because unfortunately, Yes, the attention of world is going in a different direction, but also mostly when you think of, uh, speak about war in Bosnia, Srebrenica, uh, genocide or siege of Sarajevo, uh, but there are some like areas like Priedor, for example, where notorious concentration camps were established. More than 3,000 people have been killed or Tuzla, uh, which is the only even now multi-ethnical um, a city uh, uh, which on 25th May 1995, when it's Tito's birthday, the huge mortar uh, grenade hit on the public square and killed more than 75 young people who were sitting and drinking coffee. You're producing a documentary on, on that event, aren't you? Yes, yes. Next yes. year on, the, on, and, on 25th May, we will be And you're also but... doing one on, on the killing of children in Sarajevo, right? Yes, yes. Yeah. So, uh, Liz, I was just going to say to you, you know, this effort to do like mass audience using film and photography, do you, you must know of other organizations uh, within the AFP that are members that are doing this kind of work? No, absolutely. And I just want to say, you mentioned the film festival. So I, um, Tanya and I were both in Sarajevo when the first uh, film festival- uh, After think, the war, yeah. Yeah, I think it was 1997 was the first year they had it. And I'll never forget sitting there in that outdoor stadium. Uh, they were showing movies and uh, I, I can't remember what the name of it was, but it was one movie that had just come out uh, regarding the war. You could hear- I was sobbing. The The stadium filled with thousands of people. It was a collective sob um, that was going on. 
throughout the movie. And what that does is um, you're doing exactly what you need to be doing. You're trying to raise awareness and empathy. And that's the key piece of this. You're trying to get people to empathize. You're not lecturing them. You're not arguing with them. Um, You're showing the empathy of your neighbors, you know, people that were your friends. That is, you know, the hope and the goal to build some sort of social cohesion um, that doesn't exist yet in Bosnia. Quite frankly, I mean, I always come back to the United States. I mean, our social cohesion under the fragile state index in the United States is the worst. We we, we were the most worsened country um, last year in terms of social cohesion. So this is really critical. So the work that you're doing, again, around raising awareness trying to um, tap into that empathy piece is really the critical, you know, that has to happen and through arts um, and, and, you know, to try to, to touch people, to get them. I was struck. I read an article uh, recently about the first person who was uh, convicted in the January 6th attack here in um, Washington, D.C., And one of the things they made her do is watch all these movies and read everything um, about, uh, you know, minority communities in the United States and and what they go through. And, you know, you hope it's sincere, but at her um, sentencing trial, she talked about the impact that had on her. You know, she had never stopped to think about it from someone else's perspective or, you know, understand what they were going through. Um, And so that's exactly what you should be doing. Actually, because of my work with Velma, I'm going to be really honest about the film tradition from Bosnia itself. It was highly regarded even before the war as a a city uh, of culture in the former Yugoslavia, and it was very well known and regarded for its documentary work. And over the years, uh, because of my work with Velma and my relationship here in New York City with the BH Film Festival, I have changed my pedagogy and the way I teach human rights by integrating film into the the curriculum. And I, I can't say enough about how much my teaching has changed because we are now much more visual learners. And mm-hmm. speaking of which, uh, Velma, because you and I worked together in January to screen Kovadish Aida, the Oscar-nominated film produced and directed by uh, Yasmila Zabanich on Srebrenica. It took more than 25 years to actually get the courage to even make the film. Tell us uh, in this example, Velma, why uh, Kovadish Aida is so important, especially as we approach the Srebrenica commemoration. Yes, it's extremely important film, and I'm really, really grateful to Yasmila for being so courageous to do it because it takes a lot of, you know, a, a braveness and um, heart to actually do the film. As you mentioned, Tanya, for us doing these educational peace building work and creating educational curriculums and bringing art and film and every possible tool to sparkle dialogue and speak about recent past, this film will be a definitely one, one way of teaching about Srebrenica genocide. 
On the second way, in the beginning of our conversation, I mentioned the level of denial and the policy of denial in which Republika Srpska is unfortunately taking, despite all these, um, recently we did research with the Srebrenica Genocide Memorial Center and we launched the project Srebrenica Genocide to Legal Judgments. And we do have on International Tribunal for Former Yugoslavia, uh, National Court of BIH and the High Court in Belgrade, 57 different judgments, legal judgments, which are confirming genocide and war crime cases. Despite all this, we are still struggling with a level of denial where uh, there is no state law which will forbid denial of genocide in a Holocaust in public sphere. So anybody from the academia, political level, journalists, ordinary people, you know, they don't really understand that the level of denial is a huge problem. It's creating a false narrative, quasi-narrative, which young generations are adopting. That is why Yasmila's film coming 25 years after genocide for Srebrenica genocide, first commemoration marking this important, important uh, year. Uh, but on second ways, what she did in, uh, in, in a field of raising awareness and developing empathy, as Liz just mentioned, among uh, the whole world, because the film uh, was first screening at Columbia University, but then it was traveling all around the world. And maybe uh, despite COVID pandemic, uh, this virtual way of now us all being much more easier in position to be together, a lot of people, huge number of people actually, you know, gained the knowledge and, and, and had awareness about Srebrenica genocide in a different way. She did this film in the right way. I mentioned these two reports from Republika Srpska uh, related to Srebrenica genocide and a siege of Sarajevo. So um, the fact that the cinema fund of uh, Republika of Serbia actually uh, devoted 3 million euros for creating the film about Second World War in Jasenovac at the same time, trying to compete narrative and compete with uh, with the Yasmila. Yeah, with some propaganda. Exactly. Effort. Yes. It's actually speaking, you know, that we do need people like Yasmila and not just Yasmila. I'm going to mention the extreme contribution also being done by the actors of Angelina Jolie, who also oh, did of course. In a Land of Blood and Honey feature film, which is speaking and featuring stories of rape and sexual violence and and uh, you were a producer you were producer helping yes we were helping uh, angelina with the script and produce but we also were helping angelina with launching um the 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 film and promoting film uh uh, between the victims associations but also we organized official premiere with sarajevo film festival of her film and you know her film and Yasmila and Yasmila already did extremely important work in the field of uh, she also Gerbevitz. Yes, for yes, example. About, yes. Yep, transgenerational trauma and the kids uh, being uh, born as a product of rape. So yes, the history will be witnessing oh. uh, uh, the contribution of these, and mostly they are women. So I'm always, I'm always. It's happy. it's very it's very interesting. I think it's very important work, and and just as you mentioned, uh, the denial that exists just recently, which was very surprising. You and I haven't spoken about it actually. Was that the justice minister in the Montenegrin government was sacked for genocide denial? There was an effort by the former uh, high representative to get a genocide denial law adopted 
elected in the Bosnian parliament, and we know that didn't succeed. And, you know, Germany's an example here where they banned images of the Third Reich, and that, in fact, if you try to join uh, a Nazi organization in Germany, you can be jailed for this. And I have come to embrace this in the United States. And I want to hear Liz's comments here. You know, we take a lot of pride in our First Amendment, but when you're using hate speech and incitement, and actually Richard Wilson, a member of the law faculty at University of Connecticut, and he's also an anthropologist, has written the book Incitement, and he actually calls for a lot to be adopted under international law to use it. And Sheshel was the reason why, because he was a legal advisor to ICTI and, you know, Sheshel was exonerated. His incitement in his speech caused many people to die. I'd like to hear your comments, Liz, in parallel as we look at this through American eyes on on ourselves. Oh, my gosh. I don't know if you remember this, Tanya, but when we were working in Bosnia with the OSCE, I was working on the election laws. I was writing the election laws. There was the proliferation of parties. I mean, right after the war. I mean, I can't even remember how many parties, but I mean, like 50 parties, let's say political parties were popping up. And we had to drop laws against hate speech on their political party platforms. And we um, looked at the German, uh, the laws that were put forth after um, the Holocaust in Germany to use as a model for Bosnia. But even as an American lawyer, I couldn't even, it, it was so hard for me to compute because of our First Amendment that I actually asked some of the European lawyers in the mission to go through them because you can pretty much say anything in the United States as long as, you know, you don't yell fire in a crowded theater. And we need to change our laws to comply more around hate speech uh, because clearly that's what's happening. And when you look at what happened um, with Rudy Giuliani just recently, it was the New York bar that got him for his inflammatory false statements about the election. It wasn't any other, I mean, he, he got, you know, his, his law license has been removed from him, but that was from uh, a trade, you know, the, the bar association in New York, not um, because any law of what he was saying. So I, I just wanna emphasize how critical that is even, you know, for the United States. I don't think people in the United States understand how dangerously close we are going in that direction. That's really critical. And I just want to say one quick thing about uh, the film that you just uh, raised about Srebrenica that just came out. Yes. It's an, yes. it's an incredible film. And, you know, again, going back into that empathy, I don't care who you are, you know, in the those scenes at the end when, you know, the sons are being taken and the father can stay, the mother can stay, but the father can't he can't stay. He's got to go with the children, uh, their, their young sons. I mean, put yourself in that situation. You know, that's the empathy. You know, it goes back to who doesn't know the film Sophie's Choice. Even if you did not see the film, you know, when you're at that gate with two children and the, um, you know, the Nazis tell you, you can save one of your children. I mean, you know, That right there is the empathy you're talking about and understanding what this did. Um, 
And that's why this film, again, and the work that you're doing, um, and, it, and it's able to get out to a larger media, both outside of Bosnia, but also inside Bosnia. And that's really important. So, um, Velma, you're in the final days of, of uh, organizing for July 11th. And uh, I know that PCRC has a new staff and you're doing some really incredible work in the days leading up to the commemoration. You are uh, hosting a seven day school teachings in the memorials. Is that correct? Yes, for us, education and youth are our primary pillar and primary, primary arena of work. So last year, I mentioned we had 25th young volunteers who were working with us on placing this monument while you are not here, but also participating on on a smaller scale of uh, school we we did last year. Uh, Then it was four days long. But we had incredible lectures from the local and and, and international experts even then. Mm -hmm. This year, we are doing on a larger scale, bringing 15 students, uh, 30 from BIH, uh, uh, 10 from the whole world through different partnerships we have in universities, and 10 regional students from Serbia, Croatia, Montenegro, Macedonia, unfortunately, not from Kosovo this year because we still have this visa issue between BIH That's and right, Kosovo. Yeah, easy, but yeah. it should be, I think, sorted out. At least that is what they are saying in December. So we hope next year we will bring our colleagues from Kosovo. It's a seven days long program where young people will be teaching about the role of art, but also memorialization, transitional justice from the leading experts. Uh, and then in the months after, they will be working on some of their small projects which they will be developing in Srebrenica. Hopefully, we will be able to launch the results of their work sometimes by the end of the year. We are also uh, exhibiting a new exhibition, Absent Home, which is an exhibition of uh, six different photographers. Some of them are BIH photographers. Some of them are internationals. This Absent Home exhibition is featuring actually some destroyed, but also some rebuilt homes from outside and inside trying to portrait the consequences of genocide on the infrastructure and also to show the, the emptiness of, of the city and, 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 and the villages around the area of the, of the city of Srebrenica. Surrounding Srebrenica. Yes, yes. So uh, there is a, a bunch of work we will, we will be doing with our partners from Srebrenica Genocide Memorial, but we are extremely, extremely grateful to Srebrenica Genocide Memorial Director Emir Suljagic for opening memorial and opening arena for these partnerships and for us uh, to have a chance to actually contribute to our history. And he's, he's going to build a movie screening yes. room yes. in the memorial, right? Yes. I mean, I want to mention that, you know, uh, a year ago uh, when Amir actually was elected for director, Memorial was in really bad con- condition. Physical location was really damaged. And we were wondering, you know, what, what will stay from Memorial. Now uh, Memorial is almost rebuilded. The roof is new and the, the, the whole building is going to reconstruction. So there is a set of uh, plans which they want to develop in the future also to have a uh, movie theater, but also screenings room and conferences rooms. 
So yeah, it's going quite well. And for us, that was the most important, you know, a step because we need to preserve memorial for the future generations or we will not be able to teach about genocide and continue our work. So Velma, what is your next project? As you know, Tanya, we always have so many different projects and activities uh, that it's difficult to select just one. We keep going and doing our core projects like Balkan Discourse, teaching young people about uh, multimedia and journalism and featuring their stories through this special mentorship we do together with, with our young people. And by the end of year, we will be launching a couple of new initiatives and a couple of new youth programs and projects. We do have now four new staff members, so it's a little bit easier. And it seems that there is a bright future for PCRC. Well, I want to thank you so much for taking the time during this really busy period to, to talk with Liz and I. And um, my last question is, when are you going to take a real vacation? Uh, <laughs> it's a great question. I mean, I'm hoping that I will be able to take a real a weekend holiday, at least, you know, like weekend would be amazing. I don't regret that I'm not taking these holiday times because I'm always thinking how much work we have to do and how many things we need to preserve for the future generations. So I think it will be a lot of time for holidays in the future. I will be happy only if I have a few weekends to recover. And I will have some nice time when you come in August. Yes. And I will see you in August. Thanks for tuning into the Peace We Build It podcast. And thanks to our guest, Velma Sadic, founder and president of the Post-Conflict Research Center based in Sarajevo, Bosnia and Herzegovina, and Liz Hume, Acting President and CEO of the Alliance for Peacebuilding. The Peace We Build It podcast is made possible through the financial support of the Alliance for Peacebuilding based in Washington, D.C. Tanya Domi is the host and Senior Fellow for Communications at the Alliance for Peacebuilding and Kevin Wolf, the audio engineer, provides technical assistance. This podcast can be found on Spotify, Apple, and where all podcasts are found.